Amen. Word and we're going to continue on the works of the flesh. And I uh, thank you for uh, Brother Phil for bringing the word last week. Amen. On last minute notice. <laughs> God. But like, like he said last week, you know, we got to be ready in season and out of season. I, I know I, I used to not like it when somebody preacher will come and ask me to speak at the last minute. So thank you for making yourself available. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> the Lord used him as a good word. Amen. 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 So, uh, Thank you and welcome, Miss Judith and uh, Gabby and Sarah. Okay, all right, all right. welcome. <laughs> I want to make sure I got it right. All right, all right. So we're gonna talk about the works of the flesh. And for those that haven't been here, you know, we we look we look at Galatians because we're gonna come from Galatians five. I think I already told y'all to turn here. But we uh, we get caught up in sometimes when we see these works of the flesh, and we're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. This applies to the world. But actually, Paul is speaking to the church here, right? And then even in other New Testament books, and even in the Gospels. You know, it's for us as believers to warn us, right? And we're going to go through some definition. And I'm going to give the definition, not from the English dictionary definition, but I'm going to give it to from the Greek. And the reason why I'm going to give it from the Greek is because, as we know, most of us, that sometimes we can translate words into English, but it has a different meaning in its original language. So we're going to see, as we go and we hit some of these, I'm going to skip two purposely, because I'm going to save those for next week. Um... Because I talked about how things are tied into drugs, and that's going to take a little bit more time. So I'm going to skip drunkenness and witchcraft and save those for next week. And hopefully we can get through the rest of these, and then we'll be done. Because i got another message I, I want to get to. But, uh, you know, as God wills. Okay? Um, so, and I think I mentioned this Wednesday that, you know, we get in the habit sometimes. we got two sides of the church. You know, one side of the church, they want information information, knowledge, and not concerned about the revelation. And then we got the other side that all they want is revelation and not the information. Well, I'm pretty sure I said this Wednesday, we have to have both. We have to have both. We have to have information and revelation because if we have revelation without information, then we could be flying in cuckoo land, right? And then people were looking at us and thinking we're crazy, but if we're flying, if, if we get too much information, then it could end up being dry. Right, so we got to be led. So um, Proverbs, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. Uh, I'm gonna turn there. Proverbs one and seven says this: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So our instruction ultimately comes from the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. That that is the written word. Instruction comes from the Bible, so we have to understand it. Now, we, as we learned, as we've gone through Nehemiah and Ezra. We have to break down that instruction, right? They taught the word so people will have understanding, right? And then we also have wisdom. And we know sometimes as we get, not sometimes, well, hopefully, there are probably some exceptions, but as we get older, we get wiser, right? And then we can teach our younger people things. And then hopefully that they don't make the mistakes that we made, right? So sometimes we can remember, for those of us that are old enough, when we were kids, our parents would try to teach us things. I'm like, okay, whatever. But then as we got older, we realized that they were correct. Right, and then now we guess what? We get it back when we try to teach our kids some things, and like, all right, whatever. I know, and you know, and they get it back. <laughs> so it's just a cycle. That's just how it is. So, but we have to have both, and part of that instruction and wisdom we get from the word. All right, so we'll start with verse sixteen in Galatians chapter five. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. 
and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So that two-letter word there, do, actually means practice. So people who practice this. So this message and these messages are not designed to bring condemnation on anybody. Right? So when we read these definitions, well, when I read these definitions, we're going to probably see some things that we've done it before and maybe see some things that we're doing now. Right? So don't. Beat yourself up, and like I uh, talked about, I think a couple weeks ago, that we can't walk this walk out without the power of the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? So we can try to fake it, you know, but we can't fake it because eventually we're going to give up because we can't fight this flesh on our own power. We will lose each and every time. But when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what strengthens us. And really, between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, is really an outward manifestation of what's done inwardly in our hearts. Right? This, this is why the scripture said what? Out of the heart flows the issues of life, which is why we have to protect our heart. Right? We have to guard our hearts. So we have to guard on what comes inside of us. So, and I talked about this before, that if we don't abide, then we, that we allow that wedge to come in. So as long as we abide and we stay connected to the vine, now that, that wedge is pretty much gone. And we become different people because now the Holy Spirit continues to work on us because we're staying connected. But... Each time we allow something to come into our lives, that wedge comes, right? That wedge comes. And that's how the enemy wants to attack us, right? Sometimes it may not be through TV or music or anything like that because we may not have an issue with that. But it may come through a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor, family member, right? A spouse. It may come through those things, and that creates that wedge. And that's what he wants us to, to pull away from God. So now we get into the works of the flesh. All right. All right. So that word works there in verse 19 actually means business and employment. So when we are in sin and we're in bondage, we become slaves to sin. So we know that according to what Romans 6.23 that what the wages of sin is what? Death. Right. So it pays out when we sin. Sin. It pays out really in these works of this flesh that are here. Right? So, if we're going to live by the flesh, we're going to do some of these things about it that, that are listed here. Right? And in other places of the Bible. Right? We may not commit adultery. We may not fornicate. Right? But, we may have an issue with envy. We may have uh, an issue with bursts of wrath. Right? We may have an issue with gluttony. You know, all those things we may have issues with. So, if we're living by the flesh and we're feeding our flesh all the time, then we're going to do the things of the flesh. It doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved, right? The difference with being saved is we have the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why I say even as the church, when we see on the church and they get mad at the world, we can't get mad at the world. They don't have the power to live right. right? They don't have the power to live right, but we do. So we have to focus in on the body of Christ and ourselves, right? That's why y'all see me get on leaders and pastors in the church that have issues because we should know better and we should do better. Right. 
So, if we live by the flesh, it will pay out by the works of the flesh. But if we live by the Spirit, then it will pay out by the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that is what we need, the fruit of the Spirit. So, if we're not giving in, if we're not showing the character of Christ, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things, then it's possible we may be displaying the works of the flesh. And it's possible we may not even see it ourselves, but others will see it on how we carry ourselves. And then y'all hear me say sometimes, even, you know, people at work or wherever, um, I'm sure we've all experienced this, where you, ha you have some people that don't go to church or may not know the Lord, may not be saved, and they're like, well, why should I go? Why should I learn or go to church or come to Christ when I see this person who's preaching this word on TV and they're doing this and doing that, right? Those things shouldn't be, but we can't, look, we're all accountable for our own self. So regardless of what Marsha may do, I'm not, I can't blame her when I go before God, right? <laughs> and she can't blame me because I don't do anything wrong. So. All right. That was just a joke. I'm going to be a serious answer. She's going to move to the back. Lightning's not going to come through. are broken up into different categories by some scholars. So, you have number one, you have your sensual, sensual sins and sins of impurity which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Then you have your religious sins which is, which are idolatry, sorcery, and witchcraft, and your interpersonal sins which are relating to relationships or communication between people. So your interpersonal sins are hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murder. And as we go along, we're going to see that a lot of these in group three, we find in the church. And we may have experienced these and done these behaviors recently, even as much as today, as we get there, right? So now we have social sins, which is drunkenness and revelries. Alright, so let's break these down. So remember when I, I talked about evident means obvious, manifest, it's... It, it, there's no debating. It's going to be there. If, if somebody's showing and displaying works of the flesh, it's going to be seen eventually. You, you can only hide, uh, hide it for so much. Now, what we have to understand when we talk about these works of the flesh, it's not just a physical manifestation. It's also what's in the heart. All right? It's also what's in the heart. So if we display these things and we have thoughts in our hearts and our minds and things like that, then that's still a working of the flesh. Because... Those of us who've been in a relationship with the Lord long enough, we know when we're walking close with the Lord, our thoughts change. Right? We, we, don't, we don't get bombarded with the, the random thoughts as we normally would if we're not walking with the Lord or if somebody disrupts us. You know? So we start having thoughts of love, thoughts of joy, thoughts of peace. Right? And those are the thoughts that we're supposed to have. Right? But again, it's a battle every day. Because the enemy will try to attack our mind. So it's a battle every day. So we have to be on guard from the fiery darts that are coming. Amen. All right. So let's deal with the first one. So I'm not going to actually give the Greek word. If you want to know the particular Greek word, you can ask me after service. But I am going to give the definition. So adultery is this. Violating marriage by sexual immorality. Any person who is, in, who is married, who engages in sexual immorality outside of marriage. So what is uh, immorality? 
Immorality is not being concerned with right or wrong behaviors, where morality is being concerned with right or wrong behaviors. Alright, so like I talked about before, where these works can be in the physical or it can be uh, mental in our hearts, because Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 that what? If a man looks at a woman unto lust, they have already committed adultery in their heart. And whatever we continue to think and, and do in our heart, eventually we're probably going to act out on that. Alright, so what else do we know about adultery? It brings judgment from God. Hebrews 13 and 4 says this. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will what? Judge. Right? So, why? So, marriage is a sacred thing. Right? Uh, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we'll get to fornication here in a minute. But marriage is also our, uh, our, can also be our, our representative of our relationship with God. And we see that in the Old Testament with Hosea and his wife. Right? That was a representation of God in Israel, how Hosea's wife kept going out and sleeping around, and she was a harlot and things like that. And that was a representation of what Israel was doing to God. Right? So, we know that we should not be committing adultery. However, in today's society, there are some married couples that consider adultery normal. They're considered a part of it. And we know that those things are not be what. But we see it all the time. We see it. it. It becomes normal, especially with our young people. This is what they're growing up on because it's all over TV. Right? And actually, it was in TV back in the day, too, because how I many of y'all watch soap operas? It was, it was back there, too. Right? See? I, we had one TV growing up at one time in the house, so I couldn't watch TV till my mom finished watching soap operas. So guess what I started watching? Soap operas. <laughs> but, you know, back then when I was younger, I found out girls watched soap operas too, so it was a good conversation start. <laughs> but, you know, those are not good things to watch, right? Those are not good things to watch. So, but, they, you know, they... We start thinking about those things, and we think, and I talked about it even with Disney. We, we think those things are normal, and they're really not normal. All right. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices, and are cursed children. Now, Peter here in chapter 2 is actually talking about false teachers, right? But that verse there, when it says, having eyes full of adultery, is actually describing someone who was always looking at someone of the opposite sex in this lustful manner, right? There are people that do that, and they and you can tell because every time somebody walks by, whether it's a woman or a man, their eyes are just wandering, looking every time. That should not be. It should be almost to where we're not even thinking about those things. So when God established a home, He designed that one man should live with one woman, and the two should become what? One flesh. Right? And it should not be separated. Alright, so let's go to the next one. Fornication. So what is fornication? Illicit sexual intercourse. So what does illicit mean? It means forbidden by law. Okay? So my, uh, and I think I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, but when I was researching all this, I came across an article written by a Christian, and um, I think it might have been a Christian site, and he talked about basically for years we had this word fornication wrong, and it was referring to prostitutes. So, if you're with your girlfriend, you're with your boyfriend, you don't have to be ashamed if you have sex with them. Right? Well, that's wrong. Because what he was doing is giving root word of uh, the Greek word, and he didn't look further down to see that 
is basically any illicit sex, which would be uh, described as uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, sexual intercourse, and and also dealing with lust as well. See, so and, and remember I talked about it a couple weeks ago where I said that uh, our conscience can be theologically wrong in society. They consider what fornication to be okay, right? They consider it to be normal. And you have in churches, you have people that, that over the children's ministry, people on the praise and worship team, leaders of the praise and worship team, living with someone, and they're not married, but yet the leadership of the church is aware of that, and they still allow them to go ahead and do what they're going to do for the church, right? And we think that's okay, but it's not okay in God's eyes. Why? Because society says it's okay. But just because society says it's okay does not mean it's okay according to God's standard, right? So God's standard is his standard. We don't we don't conform God's word to man's standard. Amen. No. We conform to God's standard, Amen. right? And again, we can't do this out of our own natural ability, Amen. right? That's why they failed so many times in the Old Testament, right? But God still required them to live right. Y'all hear me say that all the time. So God required them to live right, and now on this side of the cross, we have the Holy Spirit. How much more is it required of us, right? So we are without excuse when we're standing before him and say, well, Lord, I can't do this. I couldn't do this. This was hard. But, you know, David did this in the Old Testament. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Said in the word <laughs> that your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? So he gives us the strength to be able to not delve into these things. Alright. Alright, so also fornication again does not just mean physical, it's also a spiritual aspect, right? So when we see with Israel in the Old Testament, when they left God. Sometimes it was considered to be adultery. Sometimes it was considered for them to be committing fornication against God. Because they were supposed to stay married to God. Not go after other idols and things like that. So that can be another area that we can commit fornication and adultery against God. If we chase after idols and chase after things. And we'll get into little idols here in a little bit. Because I know in today's world we don't turn around and worship statues and like that. Like they used to back in the day. Some people probably do, but for the most part, most people don't, especially in this country. All right, so let's go to the next one. Uncleanness. Uncleanness describes those who may not necessarily commit outward acts of immorality, but whose thoughts and desires are unclean. So this is someone who's constantly thinking, having immoral thoughts all the time. That's uncleanness. And if you're not careful as a Christian, you can have those things. And that becomes one of those secret sins, right? Because we can't read people's minds, right? So people can sit up in church and sit up here and, 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 and just thinking all, be in church, thinking all, those, all sorts of lustful things. That shouldn't be. Again, if we're doing that, then there's a disconnect with us and the vine, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. That shouldn't be. All right, so uncleanness is stimulated by reading plenty. Pornographic literature, dwelling on obscene pictures. So that again, that's why we have to be careful on what we place before our eyes, right? Because we have an eye gate that helps us to guard our hearts. 
right? So if we're looking at anything, and, and particular movies and things like that, that paints a picture on our mind. Remember, that's what the, Satan is after. He's after our mind, right? To, to paint that picture. Same thing when I talked about with the soap operas. Paint that picture. Disney, he starts with the little kids. Painting the picture from the mind at a young age. And those things shouldn't be. Here's something else. This is what else uh, uncleanness means. Extravagant, wasteful, excessive living of impure motives. Right? So now, when we hear certain preachers talk about, oh, everybody's supposed to be a millionaire, get this, you know, sow your money to, so you can get this, get your car, get your houses and things like that. Well, that's really uncleanness because we don't see that in Scripture where you have to be voluntarily rich in the Bible. Okay? So that is a part of uncleanness. So when I talk about how, you hear me say, the church today is living in the flesh because we're being taught to live in the flesh. Those things like that, that prosperity message is a message of uncleanness. It teaches the flesh. Right? I used to be guilty of it because that's when I came to the Lord. That's how I was taught. And we think it's right. But once you start getting into these words and you get into the Bible and you start reading and studying it, you find out those things are not true. And God doesn't want us to behave that way. So when you have particular preachers bragging about being billionaires and having private jets and all that stuff, that's a part of being uncleanness. Alright. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is unbridled, which is being uncontrolled lust, excessive, having multiple casual sexual partners, indecent bodily movements, which covers certain dances. Right? So we see today, and I'm not going to say young people today, because it's really young people of every generation, even when we were young. It's certain dances that we see, that is lasciviousness. When you're doing certain movements and things like that. And they have, I've seen with people in church that do those types of dances. This is why even when you do praise dances, right, it should be wholesome, right? It should be holy. It should be in reverence to the Lord. Because if you're doing a praise and worship dance, you're not doing it for the people. You're doing it unto God. So now, if you come into church and you're doing a praise and worship dance, and you have, but you're starting to incorporate secular dancing into that, well, that's not unto God. God's not pleased with that. Right? Because we have to remember, God is holy. And see, we don't fully comprehend His holiness. Right? We, we know what it means to live holy for to a certain standard, but God's holiness is on a whole different level. Just like when Isaiah <laughs> went up to heaven, had his vision of heaven, and he said, what? He was a man undone. Because it, it, God's holiness is just different. It also means, lascivious means, uh, I don't know if I said this, unrestrained greed or animal-like behavior. So basically, anything that turns our minds away from righteousness is lasciviousness. Again, this goes back to music. And then you have some people that say, well, you know what? It's okay to listen to a little bit of this, a little bit. Well, no, I don't think so. It's not. Because if it turns our minds away from righteousness and God's standard, and when we're supposed to be practices of righteousness, then we can't listen to it. Right? Now, well, you can. Because <laughs> we, we have free will. You can. Right? But if you want that walk with God, that closeness with God, these are the things how we get it. Right? And again, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. Right? Because 
He gives us the strength. It is His power, His anointing. So sometimes when we we see Christians that are struggling, you know, we can't talk them through their problems. Sometimes we can because it's wisdom we can give them. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit that brings the deliverance. Amen. It's, it's not necessarily Rasan praying. Yeah, it could come through prayer, but it is God's power that brings deliverance. That's right. Not not man's, but God's power. All right, so let's look at idolatry next. Idolatry. Idolatry is, obviously we know, worship of false gods. Image worship, paintings to be included. So, you know, when you have those uh, Jesus' pictures, so-called Jesus' pictures in your house, that's still a form of image worship. And then I talked about before how, you know, you have people where uh, they say, you know, if you're Asian and you imagine an Asian Jesus, that's fine. Or if you're black, you imagine a black Jesus. Or a Latino, you imagine, you, you imagine a Latino Jesus. No, again, that is conforming God into our image. So that is no different than what the Israelites did in making the Lord into a golden calf. That's the same thing. Amen. That's the same thing. So we're not, we're not to do that. Because we worship the Lord in what? Spirit and in truth. Amen. We're not to come with these images, right? So even with the crucifixions, right? We don't know what Jesus looked like today. So we, we, you know, we have to be careful of those things. So most people today do not worship carved images, like I mentioned earlier, but they do worship other things, such as money, work, family, celebrities. Right? We see with musicians, people falling out. You know, back when Michael Jackson was alive, and Prince, people falling out, crying, passing out. They're worshiping them. Right? Even, even sports. Even sports. Football games and things like that, we have to be careful of those things. All right? I have to be careful. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I used to be really, really bad. All right? You couldn't talk to me during the game. Don't call me during the game. And God forbid my team lost. Thank you. And it was basketball, football, baseball, so she got a year round. <laughs> but I'm nowhere there now. You know, I can record the game. They'll come, do what I need to do, and go back later and watch it so and not get angry. <laughs> but really, I was treating the, the sport as idolatry at that time. I was. You know, and, and God forbid, years ago, pastor would call a fast during that time. I'm like, oh, no, it's Georgia game on. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't fast during that time. <laughs> but thank God I'm not there no more. <laughs> so these are all things that, you know, we can find ourselves doing. Right, so and, and that's why I'm talking about these, so we can grow, so we can learn, so we can grow closer to God. All right, hatred. Hatred is a strong dislike, hostility towards another person, and we see this a lot in churches among Christians. Right? Yeah. So you feel those? Amen. <laughs> right, yeah. well, you know, I'm pretty sure we've all experienced that in one form to, or another, right here in the church. Not even in the world, but in the church. <laughs> and that shouldn't be. So, believe it or not, hatred is viewed like murder. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 15. 1 John 3, 15 says this. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So, we have to be careful on how we may feel, even if somebody offends us. right? And we know, if somebody offends us, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go. We're supposed to go to that person, right? But we don't always do that, right? We're like, nah, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to bother with it. Um, 
but we have to be careful of those things because we don't want that hate to build up. So even if, you know, you leave a church, you need to leave it the right way. Right? You need to leave it the right way, not because somebody offended you, then you go, because what's going to happen is you're going to carry that in your heart. Right? We can't control what other people do. We can't control how other people respond, but what's going to happen is that unforgiveness will continue to build up, and then before we know it, something's going to trigger that memory, that emotion, we're going to think about that person, and then all sorts of feelings are going to come up. Right? And we don't want that. We, we may see them on TV, you may see them on YouTube, or whatever, and then we're getting angry. Yeah, I've been there. I'm guilty. I've been there. I, I, look, I'm not exempt for these things here, right? But this is how we grow, and this is how we get better. All right. All right. So variance, contention. Means quarrel, quarrel, strife, ready to dispute. Again, this is another one that takes place in uh, church, in, um, in church, and Paul calls it carnal behavior in First Corinthians chapter three, right at the beginning. He talks about that. He talks about them having strife. It's the same same Greek word. Okay. So this is another thing that we're facing today in in the church today. And, I, and it, you know, even in my research, I came across some, and it was something where. Well, I don't even know. It wasn't even part of this research, really. But I just came across it, and it was a wonder. It was a pastor, and he was talking about wondering if he, evangelicals were saved. And I said, well, I didn't give much thought to it. But then later on, I did. And because he was saying that basically they're not saved, right? And I thought about it. Well, first of all, evangelicals don't um, associate it with just regular Christianity, okay? Evangelicals are really are a right-wing political type movement, believe it or not. All right. Uh, so when we see a lot of these pastors today, a lot of these YouTube pastors, they're getting up and they're criticizing people, criticizing the government. That's evangelicalism, right? And remember when I talked about how they're teaching? Well, I talked about it a while ago when they're teaching people, Christians, to go against government. That's what evangelicalism does because they're more on the political side and what I was sharing with Phil before service was um, they got their foundation their start really by trying to keep um, segregation going on and this was supposed to be the church and you had Jerry Falwell Bob Jones and if you look up if you google evangelicalism Jerry Falwell and Bob Jones You'll find it there. There's some long articles and research papers there that you'll be able to find to see how uh, wicked things were. And then, remember when I talked about my favorite president, Jimmy Carter? <laughs> Regardless of what everybody says. For those that don't know, he wrote me two letters when I was a kid, so that's why he's always be my favorite president. <laughs> that's my wife shakes her head. So he's always got a place in my heart. <laughs> so I thought it was just the coolest thing. <laughs> but anyway, you know, here you were, you had a Christian. And they were behind, well, they're not the reason why he didn't get elected, but they were a big part of raising up the church to not vote for him, right? All because they thought that he was going to make Bob Jones University lose their taxes and status, right? Because, again, they didn't want to allow black people in the school. Now, this is your Christian. Now, again, Bob Jones' theology, the theological aspect was that racism was supposed to be separated and not together, right? Now, we know that's not of God, but these are the things that, so even though all these people are dead, guess what? That spirit that was influencing them is still alive today. 
and guess what? They were anti-science, so that explains a lot of this anti-vaccine stuff, um, what they're saying, and they're spewing out false information on a lot of things, and even with the political movement and the, the presidency and things like that, they, all, they, they have an agenda. They really have an agenda to get in a position of power. And there's a lot more stuff, but I'm not going to get into it. But if you Google those things, I promise you, you'll see it. And you, you'll learn a whole You'll be reading for a couple weeks, really. <laughs> but just, just pray before you read it. <laughs> All right. Emulations. Emulations is a begrudging, be, excuse me, a begrudging resentment which envies the good fortune of others. It, it means jealousy. So emulations can be used in a good way or a bad way. Alright, so wrath, outburst of anger, wrath and outburst of anger, same thing, means anger, passion, storms of uncontrolled temper, a person erupts then comes back to normal only to get spun up again in anger when something else goes wrong. So again, that is the flesh, right? I used to have issues with that, right? <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> but that, that's the flesh. Again, so the more I got connected to the vine, Guess what? I didn't have issues like that no more. It's like I said, when we get closer to God, we become more loving, more patient, more self-controlled. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit is leading, leading us. Amen. He's guiding us, right? And even times when I felt myself getting ready to blow up, the voice of God, don't do it, don't do it, warn me, warn me, warn me. Now, I have a choice to either listen or not listen. Sometimes I listened, sometimes I didn't listen. And when I didn't listen, it got me in trouble. Right? But he warned me. He warned me. And the Holy Spirit will always warn us. We just have to be in tune and be paying attention and not be distracted by so many things. Right? Even when we're driving, we have to be careful not to be distracted. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking and he'll guide us. He'll tell us to stop when we need to stop. He'll tell us to slow down when we, he needs us to slow down. Right? And I shared a testimony that I had, what, two years ago? Where I'm coming back from lunch, going to the office, getting off the highway, green light. The Lord saying, slow down, slow down. I'm like, I got a green light. So, so I heat it. Turns out, a car ran the red light. And if I would have kept on going, boom. Now, would that other person be at fault? Yeah, but I would be at fault because the Lord warned me. <laughs> yeah. The Lord warned me. Right? Now, God forbid that car hit me, and then I die. Then what? Right? I'll be standing before the Lord. You're still supposed to be there, but you didn't listen. You tried to warn me. Right? So, we, we, we have to be in tune. So, that's why we can't get confused when we're doing things. You know, again, the enemy will love to bring confusion sometimes to trip us up. So, now we don't hear the leading, the prompting of the Lord. Right? So, if I, if I had been confused that day, boom. I wouldn't have heard nothing. I would have kept going. Then it would have been a wreck. All right. Strife. Now, I talked about this before, um, what the meeting was, but I'm sure most of you forgot. So, strife actually means electionary, right? So, I talked about how when it comes to election time, what usually happens? People argue. People arguing back and forth. So, people say what? What causes the argument? Politics and religion, right? So, whenever we get to election season, right? Presidential, governor, people always bickering, but that's strife, right? That that's what that word strife means, electioneering. So it all it means this: 
those seeking a position or an, or an office, self-seeking. So this is something that is found in the church. Right? It describes those who would like to be elevated to a place of responsibility in the church, not so much for the service they can render, but more so for the prestige that it can bring. So I've been in churches <laughs> where people come in there and they get a position and they're trying to strive to get a position, but while they're doing it, it creates strife amongst the other people. Right? That, that shouldn't be. That, that shouldn't be. So we have to be careful of that. So let's look at an example of this in the, in the New Testament. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said, She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Verse 24, And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give life, to, and to give his life a ransom for men. So we see here that the mother of James and John was trying to do what? Get a position for their sons there, right? And they were two disciples, right? And we know John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. But what did it do to the other disciples? It caused them to be upset. Why? Because they were going about it the wrong way. And then it says here, Jesus says here at the end, that the higher you go up, the more you should be serving. Not looking to be served, but the more you should be serving. Right, so you know, we were in a church, new church, and we were meeting at a school, and uh, I was a pastor, and me and sister pastor, every Sunday morning, getting there, setting up, setting up, setting up, and then we came up with a rotation for others to come help, but we would still be there, setting up, setting up, setting up. Then I went to a different church, and they were surprised that I was helping move tables. They were like, "Well, this is not normal for an elder or minister to come and help do these things." Well, it should be. It should be normal for those things to happen. But what happens is we've grown accustomed to the way the world does things. The higher you go up, yeah, you might have more responsibility, but the less physical labor you do, right? But when it comes to the things of, of God, the more physical things we should do, right? We don't, but we see it now. Everybody wants to be pumped up. Everybody wants to be in the position. And that's why people seek the positions. And, and that shouldn't be, but we should be servant leaders. That's what we should be, servant leaders. And really... 
we should carry that over into our secular jobs as well, right? Regardless of what our position is. We, we, we can't be too good not to do some things and forget where we came from. All right. Moving on. All right. I'm almost done. Thank you. Yeah, I'm almost done. <laughs> Seditions. Seditions are division and dissension. It refers to any kind of commotion within the church that causes what is commonly known as church splits. We see this a lot with churches. Right? They, there's a disagreement with leadership, pastor, so one group is going to leave and they're going to start their own church. Look how many church splits we don't have throughout history. Right? Again, that's the working of the flesh. And then people will say, well, no, that's God calling us to start this. No, that's the working of the flesh because, again, not that God may not be calling you stuff, but you left the wrong way. You left the wrong way. Right? So that's the working of the flesh. That's not, remember, as a spirit, we should be gentle. Right? We should be gentle. Alright, so Proverbs 6, 16, you want to turn to a very familiar text. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren, which is strife. Alright, uh, heresies. Heresies... It's basically a body of men following their own tenets. This is what we are seeing a lot in the church amongst false teachers and prophets who are deceiving people. So it's dissensions from a diversity of opinion. Again, this is where we get different denominations. <laughs> Everybody has, and this goes actually goes back to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, <laughs> and things like that. See, there's nothing new. So it causes all these uh, breakups and divisions because everybody, you know, Pentecostals got their own view, Baptists got their own view, and so on and so on. Right? That's really heresies. What do we go by? The Bible. Right? That's the only doctrine we're to go by, the Bible. Right. So how do we have the same word of God, but then everybody got different opinions and different beliefs about the word of God? Right? There's some things we can, you know, some things we may be able to disagree on. Right? But there's some things that are just right there in black and white. But we choose to look the other way. Like, well, I don't believe that, so we're going to go over here and we're going to start this. See, all these things are workings of the flesh. That has, and then we wonder why the church today has no power. Because we've been delving in the works of the flesh for so long. And it's ingrained in us. right? So it, it's ingrained in us because that's what's being taught. And that's what we've been taught for a long time. And these are, these are things that Paul warns us against. And says what? Those who practice these things shall what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. But these are people who practice these things, right? I've been guilty of it, who practice these things, but not knowing. Not knowing. Out of ignorance. All right, envyings. Jealousy. It's similar to uh, emulations, but always bad. It's a resentful desire for another person's possessions or advantages and will, and will also try to destroy them. So we see other people doing good. And again, this is another thing that happens in churches. When people leave, they want to see them fail. They want to see them fail. That shouldn't be. That's a working of the flesh. Right? So there's no need for us to get offended. Right? So if we leave a church and then we know that they're upset about it and we know that they want to wish us ill will, we don't get upset because we pray for them. That's the working of the flesh. We don't stoop down to their level. Right? We continue to function and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
that we display the fruit. Someone in it with envyings, they will lie on someone who is in a leadership role in church in order to get them removed or in trouble, just out of envy. Right? I've had that happen to me. Somebody lied on me in church, blatantly. But, you know, that's people being people. Again, but it's a working of the flesh. We, we have to be better than that. We have to follow the example of Christ, not man. All right. Amen. So murders. Murder is pretty much self-explanatory. Taking somebody's life. But, again, this is another one that can be done physically or verbally. We, could, we can kill people without words. Right? Or mentally. Right? If we have images of killing somebody, right? we get their hand. We're having images that shouldn't be. And I talked about it before where, you know, I use the example of God, but I use me again. You know, watching the action figure, action movies, and I'm like, I want to be the hero. And I'm, that's still murder. Uh, and that, that shouldn't be. That's, that's a working of the flesh there. So to, to murder or any of these works denotes the evilness of the heart of man. So if we're doing these things, if we're thinking about these things, if we're practicing these things, then we need a heart transplant. We need a heart change. Right? And we can go to church and still practice these things. And thinking, oh, nobody knows. I'm covering it up. But God knows. No matter what, God knows what's in our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our intents. And things like that. See, we may not know everybody's intents and motives, but God does. So we have to be careful. And we have to, it's important for us to guard our hearts. If we want to walk in the closeness of God, if we want to, move in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to guard our hearts against these things. And see, it'll be easier for us to conform because we see other people doing it. And we see people in leadership on television talking about these things and doing these things, and then we start to follow their pattern instead of the patterns of the Word of God. And we have to be careful of that. Matthew 15, 19 says this, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, False testimony, slander. Again, this is why we have to guard our hearts. All right, last one, revelings. Revelings are a riotous procession of drunken and playfulness, wild parties. The term speaks of engaging in loose, loud, frivolous, and boisterous behavior. So examples of this is what? New Year's Eve, New Orleans, and Mardi Gras, and things like that. Those are all workings of the flesh. And these are things that we will also include and we would try to bring into the church and things like that. We have to be careful. Again, these are all works of the flesh. And see, the enemy knows. The enemy knows those things. And it's not that we can't have things on New Year's Eve, but how are we carrying ourselves? How, how are we carrying ourselves? Are we, are we dressing up like the world and coming together and doing things like that? No, we, we shouldn't be doing like we, we shouldn't be emulating the world. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, the B portion of verse 4, says this, Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So we have to be careful. We want to be gentle. We don't want to be boisterous. We don't want to be loud. We, we're, we're gentle. Right? We want to be like sheep, lamb. Right? We want to be harmless. And even though we may go out into the world, we want to be harmless as dogs. Dogs. <laughs> And if we're going to rise up because somebody rises up at us, we, we have to be careful of that, right? I've been guilty of that, even recently. Right? So we have to be careful. You know, and it doesn't mean that we may not make these mistakes, right? But again, we don't practice these things over and over. And so we don't beat ourselves up. We repent, ask for forgiveness, and we move on. 
That's what we have to do. And that's what I did. Right? That's what I did. Because I started to beat myself up. But I repented. And the Lord did something. And boom, I was clear. Amen. Amen. So we'll stop right there. And the reason why I don't want to go into drunkenness and witchcraft, because, well, we've been here for a little bit now, but <laughs> that's going to be a little little bit time-consuming, and um, there'll be some interesting things in that as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's, let's, let's pray.